Long ago, since they believed that the souls of the dead are appeased by human blood, they purchased captives or slaves of poor quality and sacrificed them at funerals. Afterwards, they preferred to disguise this unholy practice by making it something to enjoy. Thus, after they trained the people they had obtained to wield the weapons they had as best they could, training them to learn how to die, they then exposed them to death at the tombs on the day appointed for sacrifices in honour of the dead. And so it was that they consoled themselves with murder. That is the origin of the gladiatorial munus. That is Tertullian, Mr. Feeney, on uh, a, a Christian writer, a later Christian writer who's like writing in the, uh, the third century AD. And that's what he has to say about the origin of the gladiatorial games. Pretty, uh, pretty shocking stuff, isn't it? Pretty hair-raising, yes, Mr. Burns. I, uh, I have to admit, I've never heard that quote before. And um, yeah, I feel kind of spooked already. Yeah, <laughs> um, absolutely. And this is, uh, you know, so what we're talking about today, of course, is gladiators. And we want to get under the skin a little bit of uh, this very strange, but also fascinating practice that definitely draws mm. people in, doesn't it? More than anything else, actually, that was one of the questions I wanted to ask you first of all, actually, with regards to gladiators. Even if you if you take a random person off the street now mm. and ask them about ancient Rome, maybe not how often do you think of ancient Rome, um, <laughs> but more uh, what do you know about ancient Rome? Um, obviously, a classicist will know quite a bit, but an average person in the street might not know very much, but they will certainly have heard of gladiatorial games. They will have seen the film Gladiator. I'm sure they are eagerly awaiting the release of Gladiator 2, which is coming out soon. Gladiators and gladiatorial games from the ancient Roman world seem to have captured the imagination of people, perhaps more than any other aspects from the ancient Roman world. And I'm curious, why do you think that might be the case? I mean, yeah, it's a really, I think you're absolutely right in that analysis. And it's a really, really interesting question. And I think that... As with many things in the ancient world, it's a story of closeness and distance Mm, and a a paradoxical closeness and distance. I think that we are all as human beings in quite a problematic and disturbing way drawn to the spectacle of violence. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. But also we are at the same time as modern Christian or post-Christian people, and we've just quoted a Christian there on yeah, what he yeah. thinks, mm-hmm. we are shocked, like Tertullian, mm-hmm. that uh, that this was entertainment, that mm. people are killing each other. There's blood being sprayed, limbs being hacked off, mm. all for the entertainment of the mob. And that, that shocks us, mm-hmm. but maybe also excites us at the same time. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, I have to say, I completely agree with you. I think there is an element of being a human being that is fascinated and completely repulsed by this stuff. Yeah. And I know it's kind of, I know it's like looking at, looking at, I don't know, looking at something that we feel we shouldn't really be looking at. Yes. We really want to looking behind the closed door almost. We really want to, but we, yeah. but we kind of don't want to at the same time. Well, one word that you could apply to it is taboo, isn't it? It's yeah. taboo. And, mm-hmm. and, and, and that it, it became taboo once Christianity came in. And, you know, Christianity mm-hmm. really focuses in its early days, doesn't it, mm-hmm. on the games and yeah. the, the, the munera, as they were called. Mm-hmm. And a lot of early Christian martyrs, they are killed in the arena. Mm-hmm. So for the Christians, the, the, the games were 
um, a real focus of the of that culture war that went on yes, in the exactly. early centuries. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that therefore, because we are, of course, Christian or post-Christians in, in our society, that that taboo element is still there. It's, it's still buried there, isn't it? Yeah. It is. Um, and I think it still lives on in some ways in our modern culture now. People watch action films, people play violent video games. Again, mm. there's that there's that element of all that that we do enjoy. Yeah. Yeah. And we can't really get away from that. No. Um, but I think the key difference for us is that when we see an action film or play a violent video game now, it's obviously fake and it's obviously put on. For these Romans, it's real. Mm. And I don't know how we, in our society now, how comfortable we would be about actually watching someone really be killed by someone else in an arena. Well, it's interesting that you say that. I mean, I don't want to get too um, graphic, but there, mm. are, there are videos online. Uh, coming out of, say, the mm-hmm. war in Ukraine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, captured by drones mm-hmm. from above, looking mm-hmm. down at men fighting and killing each other yeah. that are readily accessible through the devices that we all carry around in our pockets. I'm curious, Mr. Burns, about getting kind of back to the origin of the Glass Yeah, let's let's games. wind it back a little bit because um, we can we can talk yeah. all day about how, you know, um Netflix is a <laughs> is a modern uh, sort of uh, coliseum, yeah. but um, but yeah, let's let's go back in and dig a little bit into the um, the classical origins of this, so we really know what we're talking about. Exactly. So from that quote from Tertullian, he mentions um, the idea of sacrifice being yeah. key to these gladiatorial games. Um, how does sacrifice play into this? Right. Okay. So. Um, one thing that I was actually really fascinated to learn when I was looking into this, and, and mm. you actually told me originally, Mr. Feeney, was mm. that it originates as a uh, a funeral rite for dead elites. That mm-hmm. seems to be the case. Yeah. Tertullian mentioned it there. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think personally that it would have started as just plain human sacrifice. I think mm-hmm. I suspect that it was always done um, as a, a kind of ritual combat. Mm-hmm. And the yeah. ritual combat would be performed at a funeral. Mm. And... It would be, therefore, it seems to me to be, um, art, it, it, it's an offering to the dead, mm. isn't it? Yeah. And that makes it a phonic offering. Yes. Which is yeah. a, you know, um, if we if we look into ancient religion, um, this is something that is, that is often glossed over in Disney, the idea of mm. a chthonic sacrifice to the gods of the underworld. That's it, yeah. Much, yeah. much creepier and darker than your usual sacrifice. And mm-hmm. sacrifice in itself is pretty creepy and dark, actually. But, but a chthonic mm. sacrifice is particularly creepy and dark. Yeah. You know, in the Odyssey, Odysseus, when he summons the soul of the dead, he pours blood, doesn't he, into yeah. a trench in mm, the yeah, earth. Yeah. And that's a phonic sacrifice. So we're, we're, when we're doing thinking about phonic sacrifices, it's all about dark, dark death. <clears throat> that's what we're thinking. Mm. And so the, that's where the name comes from. The name in Latin is munera, which is gifts. Yeah, yeah. It's a gift. Mm-hmm. Yeah, It's a gift to the dead. Mm-hmm. Um, and perhaps they're also offering a spectacle of death mm-hmm. for the dead yeah. as well. Um, and of course, we can see that as an articulation of maybe elite dominance, mm, because perhaps, yeah. there's an elite, a dead elite man, probably man, almost mm-hmm. certainly man. Yeah. Um, and slaves, mm-hmm. most likely, yeah. are being forced to fight to the death mm-hmm. in his honor. Yeah. So one can see that if one take, you know, from a modern perspective, you can see that as an articulation of elite power as mm-hmm. well. Um, something that expresses dominance over other men. Mm. Now, I think that that origin of the games is, um, I don't think that the, I think the games change Mm -hmm. in their function over time. 
but that original function is always there very deep. There are two things that you said, Mr. Burns, that I'd like to pick up on. One is, I'm sure we'll come back to this later, but the whole idea of the games and the gladiatorial combat as spectacle, I mm. think, is absolutely, is absolutely key to this, particularly as time goes by. And also that idea of the Munarar, as you said, literally the gifts. Um, I wonder, as, as you said, it's originally you know, a gift of a sacrifice of some sort in the origin of these games. But as time goes by, do those Munarar, do they become a gift for the people, the masses, you know, it is their gift, their entertainment. Well, Mr. Me, I'm really yeah. glad you asked that question because I think mm-hmm. it's a sacrifice mm-hmm. to the people. Mm-hmm. That's what yeah. happened. That's what it becomes mm-hmm. under the empire because right. in the empire, there's another God on the scene mm-hmm. and that God is the, the Roman mob mm-hmm. because the Roman mob has the power doesn't it in mm-hmm. the emperor in the empire and the emperor is always trying to appease the mob yeah in the same way that you must appease the gods mm-hmm. and i think that um that is a that is an interesting way of looking at this that actually the 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 moonera stop being sacrifices to the dead the spirits mm. of the dead and they start being sacrifices to the new god in town which is the plebs it goes back to that quote from Juvenile, what do you need to please the masses? Panes et circense, mm. bread and circuses, entertainment, games. And when new emperors come on the scene, the first thing they do is they put on days and days and weeks and weeks of games yeah. to get the people on size. And yeah, if they absolutely. don't, they're at risk of being destroyed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, no, no matter how powerful the emperor is, and he is very powerful. Mm-hmm. He can still be destroyed by this capricious mm-hmm. god. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is the Roman mob. Yeah. Um, I mean, you're right. The emperor is the figurehead in Rome who does have nominal power, but the people really do have the power to actually um, affect decisions and to affect change, really. Yeah. Um, I'm curious about, and I know you mentioned this previously, Mr. Burns, as well. This whole idea of the gladiatorial games as a sacrifice of sorts and bringing in one of the A-level texts, mm. um, the Aeneid, and particularly the final scene of the Aeneid. Yeah. Um, how do you think that might relate to these gladiatorial games? I think that when Virgil is writing Book 12 of the Aeneid, mm-hmm. um, we, it's a really good demonstration of how the games are a fundamental part of the Roman experience because he doesn't refer to them explicitly, Mm -hmm. but you can see that conceptually they are absolutely fundamental to Mm. the way that that, to the descriptions of combat Mm -hmm. within that book. Yeah. So there are a few incidents. Um, There are the parts where, um, you know, one of the combatants, Aeneas and Turnus are fighting each other. One of the combatants, um, strikes or fails to strike mm. and the people that are supporting him you know the Rutulians or the Trojans they, yeah. I think it's the Rutulians they leap to their feet yeah yeah and Absolutely. and a cry echoes mm. and around the hills and it re-echoes back mm-hmm. exactly as if they were in one of the arenas that mm. is exactly what would be going on and of course yeah. they're all sitting they're all sitting down aren't they they're all sitting down yeah. around a kind of central space watching these two heroes fight mm-hmm. it is in its conceptual architecture a gladiatorial mm-hmm. combat yeah. and of course there is the sacrifice of turnus at the end and it Absolutely, is a yeah. sacrifice isn't it it's a sacrifice of blood that is needed to found rome yeah I mean, Virgil himself in that final scene uses the verb imolat, mm. which means he sacrifices. Yeah. And um, it's it's very clear reading the very end of the Aeneid that Virgil 
to his audience mm. uh, to his contemporary audience um he does want that image in their heads doesn't he yes yeah there is also the kind of i think that there is a there is an echo of the scene where the emperor must decide whether a defeated gladiator lives or dies Absolutely, as, yes, of as, as Aeneas hesitates. Mm, mm-hmm. and, and Aeneas is the sort of, he is both the gladiator and the emperor yeah. uh, in that moment, mm-hmm. um, which of course he, he really is in, in the conceptual scheme of the poem. Mm-hmm. Um, but, and, and he hesitates and he must decide. What's really interesting is that, you yeah. know, it's vengeance, isn't it? It's vengeance that motivates him. It is. Yeah. And it's, it, in a way, it's a sacrifice that is, you know, he says this is this is palace sacrifices. Yeah, absolutely. To palace. Yeah. Um, so a very odd sacrifice, a sacrifice to vengeance. And of course, Augustus himself, he is, you know, big on vengeance. He mm. hunts down the killers of, of Caesar, his adopted mm. father. Um, so there's a lot of, you know, uh, psycho-cultural Roman mm. drama going on in that scene, as yeah. we know. Um, but the gladiatorial games are really there at a fun level. I quite like the idea that we now in our society look back at the Roman gladiatorial games and we feel kind of conflicted by them for mm. obvious reasons. But I quite like the idea that the end of the Aeneid itself is also in its way rather ambiguous and it might have made the Romans themselves feel rather conflicted about it as well. Yeah, no, I mean, I have debates with my year 13s about this. So I'm, yeah. I, it, it may well made, have made them feel conflicted. I'm certainly not eliminating that possibility. I mm. actually think we don't know how a Roman would have felt. Yeah. Not, not yeah. perfectly. Mm-hmm. Um, but I wonder, and this goes back to something that I would say about the games in general, and this is mm. their link to um, tragedy. Actually, oh, we, yeah. we were talking mm-hmm. about tragedy in mm-hmm. the in the previous podcast mm-hmm. and how that serves a really important social function mm-hmm. in Athens. Yeah. And mm-hmm. that social function, um, well, there are many different social functions, but but one of them, and this is what Aristotle identifies, is catharsis. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The vicarious experience of horror mm-hmm. that in some way cleanses or purifies or tempers mm-hmm. the individual who observes it. Yeah. And I do wonder whether one of the functions that the games provide, and one of the reasons that they are so popular Mm. in Rome, is that it provides that vicarious catharsis because you can identify both with the victor Mm -hmm. and the conquered. So you Mm. you are experiencing both sides of that violent dynamic that is so fundamental to the Roman mentality. Mm. In one. I think particularly during the empire as opposed to the republic, because as Rome's empire grows and as more and more people flood into the city, the average Joe on the street in ancient Rome isn't going to be able to travel all the way to North Africa or to the Middle East or to this country even. Um, they might live in the Subura, in a, in a poor place in Rome, owning a shop, but they come into the Colosseum mm. and all of a sudden you see a whole microcosm of the entire Roman Empire in front of you. You mm. see not just these gladiators wearing these exotic outfits who might give you an idea of what is on the outer fringes of the empire, but you also see these exotic animals that are being brought in. And yeah. it, it must be... It, it, for them, for someone who didn't get out much, and for someone who <laughs> lived, for someone who lived in Rome for most of for all of their lives, um, going to a gladiatorial fight in the Colosseum or another arena must have been an absolutely gobsmacking experience. Yeah, yeah, and and it's it's you're absolutely right, and and I don't think we should lose sight of the fact that it is simply viscerally entertaining. Yeah, 
you know, we're talking in, in quite, you know, highfalutin terms here about mm. the con- conceptual significance, or I am anyway, as, yeah. as, as is my want. Yeah. But, but, um, <laughs> <laughs> the, um, but actually, you know, I don't think we should underestimate the, 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 the sheer compelling drama mm. of seeing a human being fight for his life, whether yeah. against an animal or another human being. Mm-hmm. Nor should we underma- underestimate the dark fascination of seeing, you know, blood spray yeah. out of a blow. Um, and if, if you're listening to this and you're thinking, well, I wouldn't be fascinated by that. That's horrible. Mm. I ask you to reflect on your Netflix watching history yes. to, <laughs> to, to, um, to bring it back to that. Yeah. Um, but I do think that, it, that, that what is, w- one of the reasons why it is so popular and it seems to, to really obsess people um, and I have some 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 evidence for that from mm. from that we can go into if if we wish. Mm. Um, I think that it is serving a function, and I think that one of those functions is that catharsis, mm. because there's so much violence in Roman society. Yeah, it, it, violence mm-hmm. permeates it. Yeah, and to see the violence in a controlled environment where you are safe, you're at a distance from it. Yeah, but you can you can really see it, and it's real. Mm. I think that it allows the Roman to identify with the victor and feel vicariously the rush of victory. But mm. it also allows them to identify with the defeated because they do respect mm. the defeated yes. and in, in the manner in which they face death. There is that Roman respect for the virtue of being steadfast facing death. Exactly like in mm. Horace um, 37, mm-hmm. when he admires Cleopatra the yes. great enemy mm-hmm. of Augustus yeah. for her steadfastness in taking her own life. You know, mm-hmm. he, he basically says that she acted like a good Roman man and, yeah. you know, well done Cleopatra. Mm-hmm. So there is that respect there. And I think that allowing the Roman to identify vicariously with both must have provided a powerful psychological release. I'm wondering also, is it quite a nationalistic experience for the audience, you know, mm. seeing these people act out the... Uh, particular Roman virtue that is so in, held in such high regard in this society. Yeah. And that's I, the best, they are literally seeing it acted out in front of them. I think you're absolutely right. I think you're absolutely yeah. right. And I think that we can, we can maybe, you know, think about that now, you know, or, or in, a, in a minute in, in relation to Christianity, why did it disturb the Christians so much in, in that, in that, in that um, way? I think part of the reason might be because of that, this whole idea of sacrifice that we've been talking so yeah. I think that I think that must have disturbed um, the Christians to some degree. I think that's exactly right because yeah. because I think one might naively assume that the Christians hate it because of the suffering because it's mm. cruel mm-hmm. because it's wrong to mm-hmm. to make people suffer. Mm. I don't think early Christians quite thought like that. Mm-hmm. I think that early Christians are in a way this this is a very crude way of putting mm. it, but they're not necessarily anti-suffering. You know, their, oh, no, their, no. <laughs> their symbol is a, is a crucifix. Yeah. You know, the, the, that act of ultimate suffering by Christ is the central, most important um, event of the whole of creation for them. But, no, but the problem is, though, that the Christian idea of suffering and the ancient Roman idea of suffering are not the same thing. You know, no, they are very, um, they are incredibly, they are incredibly different. And it's also for the purpose, you know, as, a Chris, as an early Christian or even a Christian now might see it. Um, why are the Romans providing this entertainment? Because it is it is just for that. It is for the masses. It is for entertainment. Why on earth was Christ put on the cross? 
that was actually for everyone else. It was an altruistic mm. um, act yeah. um, to relieve the world of its suffering and to put it all on him. Yeah. So the reasons and the motivations why are very different. Yes, um, but I, so I agree with you. Um, I suppose my point is, and is that it's not therefore about the fact. It's not just the suffering per se. Mm. It is. It is what the suffering is for. Yeah, mm-hmm. and obviously, so I think you're exactly right. And I think that the in the gladiatorial arena, I would argue that the the spectators are being put in the position of gods. Mm. Yeah, because they're looking down. Mm-hmm. And they're looking down at the the ultimate contests of life and death. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly like the gods in the Iliad. It's exactly like the Aeneid. Yeah, the Aeneid, I was going to say. Mm -hmm. They're they're there on Olympus. They're looking down Mm -hmm. at men fighting to the death. Mm -hmm. That that is the position of the gods. And the the Colosseum puts the the Roman people in the position of gods. And so the suffering is a sacrifice to the Roman people as gods. At least conceptually. Mm-hmm. Um, in my view, yeah. and I think that that is something that the Christians intuitively understood, mm-hmm. and and that that to them obviously is complete anathema. Yeah, absolutely, and that makes a lot of sense. I want to change tack slightly, Mister sure. Burns, if that's okay with you. Um, one of the things I've always been fascinated by, not just with gladiators, but also chariot races and other people um, in the entertainment business in ancient Rome, is in terms of the social scale and the social hierarchy, they are way way down. Mm. They are slaves, they are at the bottom of the heap, mm. but in the eyes of the public and in the eyes of the vulgus, the mob, um, they are they are near worshipped and they are idolized and they are the ancient celebrities yeah. of their day. Um, and you can extend that a little bit. We have evidence to suggest this as well. Many of these gladiators were considered sex symbols yeah. in the ancient world. Oh, sorry, I think I could just hear... The headmaster dropping his marmalade there. Yes, yeah. <laughs> we have to censor ourselves ever yeah. so slightly. Yeah. But um, this is something about gladiators that has always fascinated me. Um, we've talked a lot about the sacrificial elements of this and um, the mob as a, as gods and getting some kind of um, you know almost an outside of body experience watching these gladiatorial games. But these gladiators as being for want of a better word, sexy, attractive people. Yeah. It does that play a major role in these games <clears throat> as well? I think it absolutely does. Yeah. I, I'm actually going to quote Tacitus, our friend Tacitus, who you know pops uh-huh. up in many A levels. Yeah. Tacitus, very, very elite Roman, mm-hmm. quite snooty. And he yes, says indeed. Um, and indeed, there are characteristic and specific vices in this city which I think are formed in the mother's womb, a love of actors, a madness <laughs> for gladiators and horses. <laughs> How can someone <laughs> totally occupied and, uh, by and obsessed with these have time for the noble arts? <laughs> <laughs> He's yeah. so sassy, isn't he? Sometimes. Yeah, he is. And, and, wonderful. And then in that, you can very much see elite disdain for mm-hmm. this, this common fascination with these common pursuits, as yeah. you, were, you were absolutely saying there. Mm-hmm. And um, to, <laughs> yeah, so, so you're absolutely right. This, this is, there is this element of uh, lower class Mm. Um, association or, or cultural significance with this stuff mm. and yeah the, the gladiatorial games they, they are I think we've got a fair amount of evidence that they are sexy yeah um, there's graffiti from Pompeii yeah that attest the uh, in quotation marks sexiness of two gladiators Celadus and Crescens yeah yeah Juvenal tells us about the scandal of Epia 
a mm. senator's wife who yeah. eloped to Egypt mm. with a scarred and middle-aged lover, Sergius. Mm-hmm. Scandalous behaviour. And the scholar mm. writing about this says that Sergius was a far cry from Russell Crowe, which I thought was an outrageous... Well, how does he know? <laughs> Sergius might have been quite Ross- a silver fox. Yeah, I mean, you can't deny that Russell Crowe in Gladiator is, um, is not... A, um, a, a a fine physical specimen of a human being. Well, he's 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 uh, you know he he's that gnarly kind of you know early middle aged you mm. know uh, chap that you would that a, that a successful gladiator would most likely be. Yeah. Um, mm. And yes, well, okay. I mean, I, I will quote um, the scholar uh, Marilyn Skinner. Mm. She says that sex, violence, and spectacle are securely linked together in the Roman mentality. It's all of it, yeah. Yeah, and it's because power relationships are defined Mm -hmm. by aggressive domination in public. Mm -hmm. So there is is definitely um, a disturbing element of Mm. that going on. Um, I I find it fascinating, though, that that these gladiators are not just being looked at for their physical prowess and their their skill in terms of fighting, but also for purely on one level, just their looks and their physiques. And of course, to elite Romans like Tacitus, this is particularly disturbing Mm -hmm. because they are slaves. They are, yeah. They are slaves. Um, And to have them sort of, for want of a better word, lusted after. Mm Mm-hmm. Is for a, for an elite Roman man is is you know that that's absolutely outrageous. <laughs> it's 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 very disturbing. It causes them anxiety. I wonder as well. You mentioned um, uh, Caladus from that graffito in Pompeii. Yeah. He's a Thracian, a particular type of gladiator, mm. and I, I believe I might get this wrong, but the original graffito in Latin, I think, suspirium or suspirum puellarum. Mm. And people translate that as the heart, th- you know, the girl's heart throbs. So yeah. he's the guy that all the girls are lusting after. That word suspirum or suspirium actually literally means, you know, a pant or a breath. So yeah. really, he's the guy who makes the girls pant, you mm. know, really. Which, we're, yeah. again, we're getting yeah. into uh, dodgy <laughs> territory here. But um, but I think that is an interesting thing to focus on, though, because was an elite man like Tacitus or mm. you know these um those of the senatorial or the equestrian rank would they have um shown a certain level of disdain for these gladiators for making Roman women behave in a way that might not be appropriate according to them I, I think certainly yeah I think certainly and I <laughs> think that um I think that this there's a really interesting element to this in terms of its political significance which mm-hmm. is that the games are the ultimate expression of populism. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And just as today, the elites and the intelligentsia, the chattering classes in our society have utter disdain mm-hmm. for pop, what they would describe as populism. Mm-hmm. It's exactly the same in ancient Rome. But, but you know, the Munera, the games mm. are populism on steroids. It, right? I know, it's, it's incredible. It's, you yeah. know, it's giving the people what they want. Mm-hmm. And of course, the elites despise what the people want. They mm-hmm. see it as, they see it as, you know, utterly ignoble. They see it as wrong, misguided, mm-hmm. base. 
mm-hmm. you know, and it's exactly the same as in our society. You know, if you open the if you open the the, the sort of the comment pages of the Guardian or you know, yeah, you know, yeah, 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 it's exactly you know, Tacitus. He would be writing in, wouldn't he, to the Telegraph yeah. or the Guardian, saying, mm-hmm. you know, this is absolutely disgraceful. And you know, you've got mm-hmm. I don't know, maybe Boris Johnson giving people Moonera or whatever. You know, they would absolutely <laughs> they would hate it. Or Trump, you know, he Trump would be, you know, he would be he would be very at home, I think. Mm-hmm. As a Roman emperor providing games, Panameca Kenses, you know, yeah. I really do think he would. And I, I, yeah. that same dynamic of the elites and the populists, I think, is exactly what is going on. Yeah. And it's it, it, this, it, I mean, we started off this podcast really talking about how, um, in some ways, how different the Romans are from us and our view yeah. of this. But in this regard, I mean, it's, it's so, I wouldn't say comforting exactly, but it's just, it's just incredible to think that, again, it's the people, the cultures change, but the people don't. Yeah, you know we are the Romans, really. In in some regards, we are exactly the same as they are. Yeah, I, I, and again, I think that the 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 only thing that significantly has changed between mm. us and the Romans is the universalizing monotheistic mm-hmm. system of Christianity. Yeah, that is the only significant difference, really, in the way that our minds are structured. Mm-hmm. And I think that. For any modern going into the arena, no matter how darkly fascinated you were, mm-hmm. I think that it would be a different moral experience because we are mm. from a, a society that has Christian values mm. embedded at its at its deepest roots. Yeah. And I think that we wouldn't be able to get past that. I, mm. I think that well, I think that very, very few of us would be able to get past that. For sure. Yeah. Although there is, you know, the bullfighting in Spain. It's a hangover from all this stuff, isn't it? Yeah. 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 And obviously in Spanish culture, certainly up to the 20th century, they were, you know, obviously completely, completely fine with that. Yeah. I mean, it's, I mean, attitude, attitudes are changing, I think, but um, there is still this desire in human beings, I think, to see a spectacle like this and, yeah. and to see this acted out. Yeah. So it, it is complicated, isn't it? But I think that, Yes, if I were to if I were to say what does this show us about how similar we are or how different we are from the Romans, I think that the only real significant thing that you could point to would be the fact that you know we have a universalizing Christian ethic, mm-hmm. at, at, you know, at some foundational level of our minds that that is that is more fundamentally disturbed by this mm-hmm. than a Roman would have been. They wouldn't have approached it in the same way that no. we would now, of course. Yeah, you know, and they would have a very I think sometimes we don't really think too much about how violent and brutal ancient cultures were, but they right. were more violent and brutal than what we can really comprehend, or definitely yeah. more than what we want to comprehend. Yeah. It's, um, they were violence was such a normal part of life for these guys, and mm. we 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 really find it difficult to tap into that and to yeah. imagine that. I mean, some of the things that went on in the arena are absolutely horrific. I mean, we, they're mm. so horrific that we couldn't actually discuss them on a school podcast. I mean, they are really, really shocking. No, I mean, uh, <laughs> I mean doesn't Marshall, the poet Marshall even, he was present in the Colosseum when it opened yeah. in 81 AD, I believe, or somewhere around there. But he wrote about what he saw in the opening games. And it is disgusting. Yeah, It is absolutely revolting what he about yeah yeah. um it turns your stomach really um i'm curious we haven't talked much mr burns about the different 
types of gladiators. Oh I yeah, mean, is, okay. is, is, is it yeah. worth discussing that as well? well? I think so. I think that um, you know we've we've got our we've got our standards and we? we've got our Mermillo, the heavy yeah. armored guy, yeah, um, with a big shield um, and a and a big helmet. You know those those kind of colander helmets. Yeah, you know yeah. there's a Mermillo helmet. Yeah, and we've got the Retiarius, the net fighter. He's mm-hmm. got a trident and a net. Mm-hmm. I think I'd want to be a Retiarius. Yeah, likewise as well. I think. Yeah, yeah. you're um, not you aren't encumbered by the armor and everything. Yeah, you're quite. I, th- I think we have some evidence that the Retiarii were the most successful mm-hmm. type. You know, yeah. they're the Ferrari or the well, what would it be, Mercedes of the yeah of the, uh, uh, <laughs> of the Formula One of the Formula One teams, the most successful. Yeah, absolutely. Um, right. Whichever whichever team it is at the moment, and mm-hmm. and then there's what else is there? There's the Thracian you mentioned. Yeah, the Thracian, um, sort of from uh, yeah modern day Bulgaria, that sort of area. Um, there's a guy called a Sam Nice who was yeah. from sort of um, southern Italy, sort of area. Um, but it's not just the armor that they have, but I think it's also the colors. Like this is a very vivid spectacle for these mm. Romans. They would have had fantastic plumages on their helmets. Yeah. They, they would have been dressed up in very colorful loincloths. Um, so they're easy to pick out um, when you're sitting in the crowds. Um, they're very vivid and yeah. um, they are a real spectacle. And I think they would have looked incredibly intimidating. Mm. The, like the Momilla, for example, the guy wearing the great big helmet, you can't really see their face. I mean, they look frightening. Yeah. They, they look scary. Um, it's, it's just occurred to me, you know, the, 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 the modern obsession of many of our students with games like Fortnite, where it's all about getting these brightly colored skins and yeah, you know, yeah. making their characters look visually kind of vibrant and so forth. I mean, yeah. There's a similar thing going on. Yeah, of course. Yeah. I mean, you, you kind of want it's all about showing off as yeah. well i mean when the gladiatorial games happens you know just like in the circus for the chariot races the gladiators would walk around the arena and sort of blowing kisses to their fans or showing off their muscles or whatever you know like yeah. it, 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 like all the attention is on them mm. that just reminds me of something can i change tack yeah, ever so yeah. slightly um uh, literally only a few weeks ago um uh, in one of my lessons lower down the school we got talking about gladiatorial games i think with year seven and um, I mentioned this man, this gladiator to them, this guy called Flammer. Mm. He's got a great name because his name means flame. So he's Mr. Fiery, Mr. Flame. Mr. Fiery, I don't yeah. think quite captures it, does it? I think it would Not be quite. Blaze or yeah. something like that. Wouldn't something, it? something like <laughs> yeah. that, yeah. But, but he's a brilliant name. Yeah. He was a very, very successful gladiator. And the sign that you reached retirement as a gladiator was a wooden sword. You were handed a wooden sword and that was it. That was your sign, that your symbol that you had reached retirement. He was offered, apparently, Flammer. He was offered the wooden sword four times, and every time he turned it down, Mm. which I think speaks volumes about how the gladiators themselves could have approached their profession. Yeah. Because it is, as we know, phenomenally dangerous. You are a prisoner, really. You are shacked up in these barracks. You have to train all day, every day. You are a slave. You have no freedom. Yet, on the other hand, the adulation and the popularity he must have gained yeah. and the love he must have got from the crowd must have been absolutely intoxicating. Yeah. Um, and I love that these guys, even though they're slaves and they don't have any freedom, just having the love of the people is good enough. Well, I mean, it must have been, you think about, you know, what are the most intense experiences you can have, you know, being a rock star in front of Wembley or being a footballer yeah. in front of, you know, the, and actually that's yeah. the equivalent, isn't it? That un- unbelievable high. Yeah. The, they are the rock stars of their day. These people, yeah, yeah. they are, that's yeah. exactly what they are. 
Yeah, but and then you've got that additional heightened thing of you could die every time you step into the arena. I know, like, you know, talk about an adrenaline rush, I yeah. mean, honestly. Yeah, I mean, you, yeah. you know, adrenaline junkies, you know, they're a thing. They yeah. exist. They, you, every, in every society, you get people who want to jump off mountains, mm-hmm. who want to go to war, who yeah. want to, you know, there are people that enjoy going to war. They're yeah. not many, but there mm-hmm. are people who do enjoy it. There are, that's um, true. And yeah. so maybe some will have enjoyed it. Yeah. Right then, Ms. Feeney, to, to round off then, mm-hmm. um, I've, yeah. got some, I've got some funny things for you. Okay. There's a story in Apuleius about bears. Okay. Yeah. All right, let's hear it. That's a great story. Mm-hmm. So the, the, the games kind of, you know, they, they were imported into Greece and actually the Greeks were a bit sniffy about it because it was a very Roman thing. And mm. I think a lot of Greeks were disturbed by mm-hmm. how quickly, you know, Greeks were fascinated by the spilling of blood. And, you know, mm-hmm. we've got some sources that are saying, guys, come on, like, Mm. Athena does not approve of this. This, yeah, is, yeah. this is not good. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, it captured them and it, you know, it spread. Um, anyway, there's, there's this guy in Greece, Apuleius tells mm. us about him, um, who spent all his money buying up loads of great bears. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and then he, he ships right. them in crates. Right. Um, to, you know, on a, on a boat to, mm. to um, you know, to Greece. And of course, when they got them out of the crates, they're all sort of half dead and diseased yeah. and the mm. poor bears, you know, because they've been put in a crate and yeah. then they've been, you know, brought <laughs> oh, over from, God. you know, for, so they don't fight. Yeah. And instead they just wander around the streets mm-hmm. and then they die. And then the poor people ate them as sort of roadkill off the streets. Wasn't that lovely? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> right. so... I think that you know there there is you know as in as always there's sometimes an element of farce in these things. Um, mm. So that's a that's a classic Apuleius kind um, of story, isn't it? That reminds me sometimes that we the one type of gladiator I suppose. Well, they're not even technically gladiator, I suppose, but they're called um, the Wenartores. They're yeah. the, they're the animal hunters. Yeah, yeah. And um, there are some stories that survive from the ancient world of animals being led into the arena, a tiger or a whatever and a wenatal goes in to fight it and the animal just sort of sits there and doesn't do anything yeah, <laughs> so well. you have to and the crowd gets really bored yeah <laughs> well put yourselves to... in the shoes of that animal that animal yeah. is thinking what yeah. I, I, a minute ago i was on the savannah you know I hunting know, down I mean, gazelle yeah and then, what on earth is happening <laughs> <laughs> you know, poor things those poor animals i know yeah. it's um gotta feel so sorry for them of course yeah, absolutely yeah. um i've got another great story about caligula this time Okay, I'm nervous now. Okay, <laughs> right. Let's it's not it. actually directly about um, gladiators. This okay, he, he basically Caligula tacked on to his games um, at Lugdunum in Gallia, so in, mm. in Gaul. Yeah, he said he he, he put a um, he tacked on a contest in oratory, right? So okay. an oratorical contest, so mm. speaking well. Yeah. Um, which is an interesting vibe shift, I think, if you've just been watching people hack at each other and then you know you're all going to mm. sit down and enjoy some rhetoric. Yeah, yeah. Um, but he said that uh, basically, the, this, because this is Caligula, he said that the losers had to give prizes to the victors and were forced to compose eulogies for them, i.e. praising them. And oh, wow. those who were least successful had to erase their writings with their tongue or they could choose mm. to instead be beaten with rods or thrown into the neighbouring river. So... Why am I telling this story? <laughs> okay, a, because right. I want to obviously ask you which one would you choose, Mr. Feeney? Um, well, I'm but, thinking about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> would you want to erase your speech that you've written with your own tongue, mm. be beaten by rods or be thrown into a river? I suppose it depends on how many rods you're beaten with and for how long. Uh, four for ten minutes. Oh, man. 
Uh, I'm a pretty good swimmer. I think I'll take my chances in the river. You're going to be thrown in the river. Yeah, no, I, yeah. I, yeah, no, I think I'll take my chances. To, in the to river. be honest with you, yeah. I think I'd probably be thrown in the river too if it's in the south of France as well. I, I, I would hope that it would be actually yeah. quite a pleasant experience. Yeah, I mean, if you're going to die, at least you have a lovely view, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. I think that, you know, why have I told that story? Well, first of all, because the games, the Moonra, were often part of, you know, much wider entertainments. Mm. You know, there's, there's, it's, it's, um, it, it, it's, it's not just gladiatorial games that are going on. There's, mm. there's lots of entertainments in Rome. Mm. Um, but also, again, that, that Roman propensity to violence, mm-hmm. that casual yeah. infliction of suffering is kind of really reaches its apogee doesn't it in figures like caligula mm-hmm. um and i think that there's a reason why ridley scott put put his emperor commodus mm-hmm. in the arena yeah because i think in our minds the emperors in their cruelty and their capriciousness mm. are somehow merged with the arena mm-hmm. as a as a symbol for the ancient Romans. yeah it's um it, it's fascinating i mean obviously i mean we know that commodus did fight gladiatorial so it made sense that uh, Ridley Scott puts him in there. But I think the broader point that you're making is absolutely true and right, that um, the the brutality that is not just at the centre of these games, but at the centre of the Roman world in general is, um, is, is actually pretty astonishing, really. Yeah. Well, a cheery thought on which to end. <laughs> Indeed. Yeah, yeah absolutely <laughs> right. Um, yes, it's, it's been fascinating talking about this, though, for sure. Absolutely. Um, and I'm looking forward to uh, the, the next episode, Mr. Feeney. Thank you very much, as always. Thank you very much, Mr. Burns.